Thank you for tuning in to the Pirkei Ovis Shir. And we're up now to Perik Gimel. And as always, Pirkei Ovis, each Perik starts with the Brysa, Kol Yisrael, Yeshlem, Chelek, Loilam Abba. The Kol Yisrael, everybody has a Chelek, Toilam Abba. There's a famous, there's a famous saying from the Rebbe, Rebbe Limelech, Meilech of Lizhensk, in which he explains the uh, davening that we say before, the tefillah that we say before each mitzvah. The tefillah of the Shem Yichud. Something that Nusach Svart says, and some people who daven Nusach Hashkna say it as well. And the Nusach is the Shem Yichud Kudshabuichu Shchintei, B'dechilu Rechimu, and it continues, B'shem Kol Yisrael. That we're saying we're fulfilling this mitzvah in the name of all of Klai Yisrael. And explains the Rebbe Ramaylach that there's a certain world that's called Kol Yisrael. And that world is a complete and perfect world. There's no hate in that world. There's no deficiencies. There's no problems. It's a perfect world. The world of Kol Yisrael encompasses all of Klai Yisrael together. And so, even if one person, as on an individual level, has chesroinus, he has his issues, but the world of Kal Yisrael, which has in it the entirety of Kal Yisrael together, that's a perfect world. Because while one person might have his chesroinus, and the other one has his chesroinus, but Kal Yisrael as a whole is perfect. And so, says Ramaylech, when we do a mitzvah, we know that us alone as individuals, we don't have the koyach to put in all the proper kavanas. We don't have the koyach to have all the proper machshavis. But if we're uniting with Kal Yisrael as a whole together, then I can take, so to speak, the machshavis of someone else who's on a higher level. I can take his kavanas and I can be of myself to that and it's as if I did it in a perfect way. And this is a very, very uh, deep concept, but also something that is very relevant to our lives. A reminder that we're part of a broader world. We're not just individuals. As Yidin, we're part of a big world, the, the world of Kal Yisrael, the world of Kalal Yisrael. And Kalal Yisrael unites together, and we join with one another when there's a need. And by Fran tells over a beautiful true story. There was a Meshulach from Eretz Yisrael who came collecting. And he was visiting the uh, Jewish communities in South Florida, in North Miami Beach and in Hollywood and other places. And after he did his rounds there, so he rented a car and he was traveling up the the East Coast towards uh, Atlanta. And from there he was going to come to the... uh, tri-state area and he's on a highway somewhere and he gets pulled over by a cop for speeding and the cop issues him a ticket for $150 and then he says can I see your license and your registration and he shows him that he's uh, he's um, visiting on a, on a tourist visa from Israel he says actually in that case um, what you have to do is come down to the court right now and pay everything over there in front of the judge all right, he follows the cop to court, and uh, the judge says, yes, you have to pay 
So he reaches into his bag. He takes out this huge envelope full of cash. And he counts up $150. And the judge is looking at him, staring at him. And uh, the, the police officer and anybody else that was in the court, they're staring at him. It's like, what in the world is going on? And it happens to be that the uh, the highways that, that, that uh, go across the East Coast from Florida up until uh, the Northeast... So that's a bit major, major route for uh, drug runners. And the judge has seen his share of drug runners appear before him in his court. So he's staring at this man, and he's realizing that, hey, this is something uh, very suspicious, very fishy. He says to me, excuse me, where did you get all that cash from? So he says, I uh, came here collecting from um, marrying off a child, and I got this from the, my fellow Jews in Florida. And the judge says, no, 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 that, that's, you can't sell me that kind of uh, nonsense. I don't believe that for one second. And I'm remanding you here until somebody can vouch to where you got the money from. So Baruch Hashem, uh, the Meshulach, he had made contacts with the various Rabbanim living there in South Florida. So he was able to reach some of them. And they immediately got to work uh, sending affidavits through fax to the court. Uh, stating that they know this person and that he's an honest man and that he earned his money in an honest way uh, through collecting through the Jewish communities. And, of course, as soon as the affidavits arrived in the court, so the the judge says, okay, you're, you're free to go after he paid his fine. And the police officer who's standing there the entire time, and he's like, excuse me, before you go, I just want to... I just want to get this straight. You got this money because you're marrying off a child. He says, yes. And the people you collected from are total strangers. He said, yes. And you've never, ever saw them before. He said, no. And they gave you the money because you're a fellow Jew. He says, yes. And the police officer says, I can't believe it. I must have joined the wrong religion. This is a true story. My friend heard it from one of those Rabbanim from Florida who were involved with it. And it illustrates that that uh, which we all know, and that is Kali Yisrael unites together. We're all one family. We're all one whole. And we each feel it. Today, of course, we see this with the uh, difficult time that we're going through with the coronavirus. How Kali Yisrael is coming together in uh, any, so many possible ways to do chesed. Be it through Hatzalah, be it through the doctors, be it through the chesed organizations. We're helping people with food. We're helping people with um, supplemental income during this difficult time. That's what Klai Yisrael does. And at this time, Klai Yisrael is also mourning the loss of many of its Rabbanim and Gedolim. And one of the great leaders that we lost during this difficult period is the Novominsk Rebbe Zechat Sadiq Levracha. And I personally had the privilege of having somewhat of a Kesher with him. My father-in-law, Rabbi Yaakov Preter, he should have a Rafosh Lema, uh, he uh, davened, has been davening in the Novominsk Shul in Bar Park for close to 45 years. And he was very close with the Rebbe Zetzal. And through him, I was able to also, myself and my family, develop a Kesher. And get to know the Rebbe a little bit. And the Rebbe was unique in the sense that he felt an achrayas for Klal Yisrael. And everything that was an issue, a klal issue, bothered him, 
and he tried to get involved and to help. And there's hardly a klal issue that we've been experiencing in recent years that he wasn't involved with in a very, very strong way, be it the Shidduch crisis, or be it uh, when issues with the internet came up, or be it kids at risk, or be it kids who have a hard time, who are having a difficulty getting into high schools or elementary schools. He was at the forefront of trailblazing and leading the way and opening up the doors and working on solutions for Klal Yisrael. And in addition to that, of course, he was well known in his capacity as the Reish Agudas Yisrael, the head of Aguda, and a chaver of the Moyesis Gedele Atayra. Where there too, he was the leader on many Klal issues. And he didn't hesitate to take a stand and to voice his opinion and that of the Agudas Yisrael. Because he had this strong sense of responsibility. One of his sons mentioned that there were times when, as a result of different things that that Aguda would decide, and being that he was, so to speak, the face of Aguda Sisrael, in his role as the head of Aguda and the spokesperson, so there were certain elements within the community who didn't like different stands that he took, and and they would be um, they would they would really uh, make him suffer for that. His voicemail at home was often full of of derogatory messages and nasty messages and people saying all kinds of terrible things to him because they didn't like some of the policies that he promoted, some of the solutions that he proposed. And there were times even that um, certain elements, right-wing Kanoi elements, would go and demonstrate in front of his yeshiva against him. And he would tell the Bochum and the yeshiva, says just disregard them, ignore them, this is my responsibility, it's my headache. And they're protesting against me. And when Rosh Hashanah would come around, so his son describes that every year he would say, you know, we're asking for a Baruch for a clean slate. So I too, I'm, I'm giving a clean slate to all those who offended me. I'm being Michael everybody. And he was such, and in such a way he was able to elevate himself above the petty, the pettiness of individuals who uh, have chips on their shoulders, individuals who had issues. At the same time that he was so involved with the Klal, he never ever let lo- lost sight of the individual. The motto of Agudas Yisrael is well known. It's Klal Yisrael and Rebbe Yisrael. There's Klal Yisrael as a whole. There's the issues that affect the community. But then there's Rebbe Yisrael, the, the individuals who each have, who have their own issues. And the Rebbe's door was always open for Tzibroch and the people who would come and pour out their hearts to him, and he would help in any way that was possible. Uh, many times in his shul, he would make appeals uh, by Yizkar, and I, some which I've been witness to myself for, for poor Yidin who would come to him, and he would ask for money from the Mispalim in his shul so that he can continue to support every single person that came to his door and give them a sizable, a generous donation. And in addition to the monetary donation, he was always giving a listening ear and being mishtatev with people's tzaras. There was a story that was published uh, last week where a lady, a writer, she describes how she once came with a group of older single girls, girls who were in their 40s, who hadn't got married. Some were 
Balas Tshuva, who had given up a very comfortable life, sometimes a career, to join the ranks of the firm community with the hope that they would be able to establish uh, a home. And here they are in their 40s, and nothing happened. And they came to the Rebbe, and they each spoke about their personal story. And the writer says at one point, she hears sobbing, and she looks at the Rebbe, and he's, his, his face is between his hands, and he's sobbing with tears, tears rolling down his face. He was mishtatef. It, it, it hurt him. It hurt him to the core, the pain, the pain of these single girls. And it was with this sense of achrayis that he, he led his entire life that there's klal Yisrael, there's the klal, and he was there to lead the klal, and then there's the yochid as well, and he was there to listen and to help out the yechidim. His son told over another story which happened exactly a year ago. He gave a drush, a Shabbos Agadol, a drush in his shul. And in it he said that, um, just like by learning, a person has to exert himself and go above his comfort level. As the Gemara says, Just like a person has to, uh, it, it's a different level when a person repeats his learning a hundred times to the person who repeats it a hundred and one times. So, so too, with being mishtatev with others and doing chesed and helping out, the idea is to step outside of your comfort zone. The next day in Lakewood, there was Levaya for a uh, former Talmud of his yeshiva, who was Nifter, unfortunately, at a young age. And the Rebbe said he wants to go. And his son said to me, you know, Tati, you know, you're, you're shvach, you know, you, you just gave a Drasha, and you're busy preparing for Pesach. Of course, he was very elderly. He was at that time 88 years old. Perhaps it's best if you stay if you stay home. And his son and the, and, and the Rebbe looks at him and he says, "Didn't you hear the drasha yesterday? A person has to exert himself above and beyond his comfort zone, go above his natural kaiches, and go the extra mile." And he traveled to Lakewood and he was maspid, this young man. And in addition to the sense of responsibility that he had of being a leader, he also had a very strong sense of being involved with transmitting the Messiah, the Messiah of Klal Yisrael, the Messiah of the pre-World War II Europe, and continuing here in America. He himself was a sign of some very, very famous and Choshiva Hasidic dynasties. And in his lifetime, he witnessed really the changing of the guard. He was born here in America, but he he saw the Talmidim and the Rebbes who came from Europe, and he absorbed that, the Yiddishkeit and the Varmkeit and the Bren of that, that world. And he worked very hard to transmit it to the next generation, the American generation that didn't see those people. As a bacher, he once sat at a seder with another bacher, an older bacher who had survived World War II, and he was a chassidish bacher. And he told his children that the entire seder night he didn't take his eyes off this bacher, the chassidish bacher, the survivor, because he wanted to see what it looks like, how a seder looked like in pre-World War II Europe, which he saw in this, in this person. And 
In recent years, I remember at my son's bar mitzvah, he also he spoke about how it's so gratifying for him to see how the Messiah is continuing to the next generation and to the another generation, the glorious chain of Klal Yisrael. And he himself was very, very much, very, very much involved with this transmission himself through his many Talmidim and his Arbatsas Torah over the years and through his leadership. And he never, ever forgot. He never, ever forgot anybody. He never forgot the Tzabroch Yidin, like we mentioned. And in addition, he never, ever forgot that Klai Yisrael has different branches to it. And even, even there are those that he doesn't necessarily agree with Ashkafically. But they're all part of the same nation. And this he mentioned just recently at the Sima Shas, where he concluded his speech and he reached with a call to the secular Jews in Eretz Yisrael and, and elsewhere. And he said, remember... You too are part of the Amanivchar. And when Tadikim like this pass away, and the other Tadikim that we lost in recent weeks and months, so this Mishnah uh, can remind us, we're part of a of a very big nation, of a very great nation. And we're equally a part of it. And when so many giants pass away, so there's certainly a big void. And this is a reminder to be mechazak ourselves, to step up, to try to fill that void in any way possible. Now let's move on to the Mishnah. Very famous Mishnah, Paragim Mishnah Aleph, Akavya ben Mahalal Eloimer. Consider these three things, and you're never going to do an Aveira. Damayin Basa, where did you come from? Ula'ana Tahoylech. And where are you heading to? And who are you going to give a cheshman to one day? It's interesting uh, if you've ever been to Levi and Eretz Yisrael, especially in Yerushalayim. So this Mishnah is the is the actually recited at every Levaya by the Chaver Kadisha. Um, anytime they make a stop along the route of the Levaya, so at the end of the stop they they say this Mishnah, and. Um, you know, seemingly this might seem somewhat depressing that we're telling a person, you know, remember that, you know, you know, you know great shakes and, and uh, you know, you, there's, there's going to be a day of reckoning and you better watch out what you're doing. But the truth is that that this really is something that instead of making us depressed, it should actually give us chizuk. Because if we think about it, so... This is telling us that the actions that we do and the choices that we make, they don't just, uh, you know, happen and they don't just pass by. But everything makes a difference. Everything makes a reshem. It makes an impression. And everything is going to last. And if we think about it in such a way, so that can fill us with a cheshek to take every single moment of life that we're given by Kaddish Baruch Hu, and try to fill it up as much as possible because every minute is eternity. And we have the ability to transform a mundane minute into eternal moment. And that can give us chizuk and that could actually make us happy. Because we're given this tremendous gift called life in which we could accomplish so much. In which we could grow so much. 
And the things that we do and the actions that we take are going to last forever. And with this in mind, I just want to mention another thing. With everything going on around us, there's hardly anybody that doesn't know somebody that unfortunately either passed away or became very sick from this dreaded illness, the COVID-19. And so, you know, with uh, with that in mind, Revolba in the Sefer Ali Shore, he has a chapter in which he discusses in which he discusses death, not something that we like talking about, not something that we're comfortable talking about, but it's Kedai to mention it. It's really a beautiful Hashkafic essay. In a brilliant way, he explains the concept of death according to Yiddishkeit. And it's not in the form of a letter which he writes to his own kids. And he says, you know, I should live till 120, but the day will come that I won't be here. And then you're going to be faced with a choice. You know, are you going to be Tzabrochen because your father's no longer there, like other people that he's seen? Or are you going to approach it with a different, in a different view? And he says that a, a, a Maimon, a Jew who's a believer, so he knows and he realizes that a person, after his neshama leaves his body, he's just as alive as he was in this world. And not only that, but in a certain sense, he's more alive. Because when the body was here, so there was a physical barrier separating the neshama. But being that the, that the person's life is the neshama, the he, the who the person is, is his neshama. So once the body is gone, then the neshama could shine forth in an even stronger way. So in that sense, a person is more alive after 120 than he was in this world. And he quotes from his Rebbe, Rebbe Rucham, the Meshgech and Mir, that death is like a person moving from one room to the next. Nothing is changing in the feelings of a person. Nothing is changing in his connections. And so he says to his kids, so you should know that even though I'm not going to be physically here anymore, but I'm going to be just as alive and even more so than I was in my lifetime. And if you're able to believe that, then you won't be sad anymore. Because you'll know that your father's alive and well. He's in a different world. You don't see him, but he's, but he's still as very much alive as he was when he was here in this physical world. And that is something that is Kedai to speak about uh, this time, this unfortunate during this difficult period, and ties into this mission as well. And it's something that really should give us chizuk. A person is approached, he's, he's faced with an Isaiah. With an opportunity to make a mistake, you know, to, to, do, to do an Aveira sin. So says the Mishnah, if you pay attention to this, to this Eitzah, then it's not going to happen to you. You won't do the Aveira. Where are you going? Don't just think about the here and the now. Don't just think about instant gratification. There's so much more to you. You're eternal. And your choices matter. And if we're able to eternalize it, so the mission is guaranteeing us, you won't be nichshul in the Avera because you'll remember this emes, this truth, that you're so much more than this petty little action that you're about to take. There's so much more to you. And there's so much more that you could accomplish with the time that you're given in this world. And finally, 
Paragimel, uh, Mishnah Gimel rather. Paragimel Mishnah Gimel. Pchanina ben Tradyon Oimer. There was a Tanar Pchanina ben Tradyon. Shnaim sheyoshvin vein beinam divrei Torah. Two people are sitting down, and there's no divrei Torah being exchanged among them. I raise a Moshev Leitzim. It's a Moshev Leitzim. Shenem ma'ar of a Moshev Leitzim of a Moshev Leitzim leyoshav. Ama shnaim sheyoshvin veish beinam divrei Torah shchina shriya beinam. Says if two people are sitting together and there's no exchange of divrei Torah there, then it's a Moshev Leitzim. How do we understand that? You have two people sitting together and they're schmoozing. In what way is it a Moshev Leitzim? So Rav Hutner explains beautifully, what, what is the definition of a Leitz? We know that, that Chazal tells us, Amalek, he was a Leitz. A Leitz is somebody who says there's nothing, there's nothing sacred. There's nothing special in life. There's nothing special in this world, and everything is just mundane. And there's nothing to be nothing to be impressed about. Klal Yisrael just left Mitzrayim through tremendous nisim, and they had the Kriyas Yamsuf, and it made an impression around the world. Comes Amalek and says, "Ah, eh, big deal. It's nothing." And they right away they go to battle with Klal Yisrael. That's the definition of a late, so that he's not in his spoil from anything, and he says, "Yeah, you know, there's no there's no meaning to anything, and everything is just uh, you know what what you see is what you get." And there's nothing, uh, nothing special going on. That's the definition of a leitz. So it says, If a person is sitting with his friend, and he, he doesn't appreciate the value of time and what he could accomplish in life. And he just lets time slip by with, uh, you know, meaningless chatter. And that's in a sense that's a late because you're saying, yeah, what's what's the big deal? You know, what, what's time worth anyway? It's not worth much, and that is the definition of a late. Pchanina ben Tradin, we know, was one of the Asura Ruge Malchus, Asura Ruge Malchus, and it's a famous story. Now the Gemara says in Avodah Zarah when he was arrested, and by the Romans, and he was put to death. So what they did was they took his Sefer Torah. And they put it with him in the uh, the fire, and then they took wet sponges, and they put it on his uh, on his heart. So this way, his death will be slower. Very cruel death. And as he was being burnt and dying, his Talmidim called out to him. They said, "Rebbe, what do you see?" And he said, I see the, the parchment is burning. But the letters? Parches Bavir, rather. The letters are, are, are flying in the air. The letters, the uh, the letters which symbolize the eternity of the Torah, that's not being burnt. That cannot be burnt. And really, this ties into the same idea, and that is that time, time is eternal. And the Torah is eternal. And no matter how much, how many the goyim, how many times they're going to try to destroy it, they won't be successful because the Torah is nitzchias. And if we utilize our time in the proper way, then we can turn our time into nitzchias as well. And that's what he's telling us over here. He's reminding us. Of course, there's nothing wrong with having a conversation, and and, and you should have conversations, and you should schmooze. But remember the value of time. Yaakov Kamenetsky on the day of his son's, his oldest son's bar mitzvah, his son Rabbi Yamin. He said, I'm going to give you now a present that's the most valuable thing in the world. And he opens up a closet and he takes out a watch, a wristwatch. He says, here, here it is. The most precious gift in the world is the gift of time. To understand 
what we can accomplish in life, and to use it in the proper way. The Chassid Yaivetz, he says this mission, he explains this mission in a slightly different way. Shnaim sheyeshvin bein beinein divrei teira. Harazim Meishav Leitzim doesn't mean that people are not necessarily studying Teira. But it's, we're talking about two people who are living life and they learn Teira. But Be'en Be'neim Divrei Teira, in their way of life, outside the base Medrash, they don't realize the values of Teira. So they go about their business uh, in a way that's against the values of Teira. They conduct their personal life in a way that's not according to the halacha. They leave the Torah in the base Medrash, and for their everyday life, they say, okay, you know, I'll do what makes me happy, what I want to do. Says That's not how he is supposed to live his life. The Torah is not something that's a theory, but rather it's something that encompasses our everyday life and every action that we take. The Torah has a say, the Torah has an opinion on how to do it. And Emela, Says the Mishnah, we got to take the Torah with us in our everyday conduct, wherever it is that we are, and in any situation that we find ourselves. And I'm just going to conclude with a beautiful story also about the Novominska Rebbe that was told over by uh, the uh, executive director of his yeshiva, who was very close with him, Rebbe Brennan. Uh, the Rebbe was going to speak at a certain gathering on the topic of conducting oneself in business in a Yiddish way, in an honest way, and avoiding at all costs the Chil Hashem. And it was going to be it was going to be a major statement and it was going to be something that was going to be publicized. And he was going to be critical of people who left the Shulchan Aruch out of their business. And it's right before the Shia and he comes knocking on the door of the offices in the Yeshiva and he says to Rabbi Brennan, he says, you know, I realized before I go out and preach to other people about conducting themselves in an honest way, I have to make sure that right here at home, in my own yeshiva, the business is being conducted in an honest and ehrlich way. So tell me, is it? And he says to him, the director says, Rebbe, he says, definitely according to the standards of Allah as being conducted in an honest way, but I don't know if it's the standards, your personal standards is being conducted in an honest way, that I don't know. Because he lived a life in which he realized that everything, whatever it is that we do, has to bring about Kiddush Hashem, because the Torah is with us in every step of our, in every in every step that we take, and in every day of our life. And they should help that the schus of that great tzaddik, and all the other tzaddikim that we lost, should be a protection to all of us, and they should be good debaters, that we should be zeichet to continue in their ways, and to fill fill up the void, each one according to his ability. That they left behind and be to the fulfillment of Yisrael Hashem Bechay Spar, bring about a Kiddush Hashem in everything that we do.